Welcome to the Ferris Love Shrine podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. In this episode, we've brought back Julia Hogan, owner and clinical director of Vita Optimum Counseling, um, and she's going to talk to us today about self-care, especially in the winter time. So welcome, Julia. Hi, Katie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you back and talk about self-care, but in a very specific season, um, which I think, you know, adds a few extra elements to all of this. I would agree. I think self-care is a little bit easier in the summer months because it's nice out. There's lots to do, but the winter, I think, is just its own its own animal when it comes to self-care for sure. It's so true. Even with such little sunlight now or less sun every yeah. day too, I could see that as being another great reason why you need a yeah. little sun. Well, and I have to say it's it's literally, you know, right with the daylight savings time change. Uh, that same week, all of my clients were talking about just how much of a difference that, you know, one hour makes when it gets darker earlier and you know, it really does make things seem, I don't know, like the days are shorter and your energy starts to dip and everything. So you're not imagining it. <laughs> it's good to know. Good to know. It's not just in our heads. It's really, it's, it's really happening. Um, so I guess let's start with kind of the basics. We, we already talked about it a little bit, but like what about winter and like kind of winter time makes, I think, self-care more complicated or more difficult for us to, to work on? Yeah, I would say, I think with winter, there's a lot of, you've probably heard the term seasonal depression before and the term winter blues, right? So there's a little bit of overlap between the two, but they're also different. So seasonal depression is a clinical diagnosis, and that is more about, you know, having clinical levels of depressive symptoms that only occur or worsen during the winter months. Um, and there is, you can get a, like a reverse pattern, which is some people get that in the summer, um, mm-hmm. but more common to get it in the winter, right? So, um, you know, like your symptom, classic symptoms of depression, like low energy, decreased appetite, um, mm-hmm. like low mood, feelings of hopelessness, hopelessness, guilt. There can be suicidal thoughts with that. Um, trying to think other ones off the top of my head. Uh, those are kind of the big ones, right? And the the thing with depression is that it needs to be, it has to affect your ability to function on a daily basis, right? So okay. having trouble getting out of bed and everything. Uh, so people do experience that. That is very much a real thing. <laughs> the acronym used to be it, seasonal affective disorder. So the acronym used to be SAD, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think was very appropriate for that. Now it's just, you know, I think it's a like major depressive disorder with seasonal pattern, I think is what it's called now. They're always changing the name. So who knows, but that's beside the point. Um, so you've got that sort of the clinical diagnosis, and then you have the winter blues, which I would say you could almost describe as like subclinical, right? Mm-hmm. So you you feel a little bit lower energy. You're not as peppy in the winter time. Maybe it is hard to get out of bed because it's cold and it's dark and you just don't really want to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you feel more isolated. You know, there's not as many, I think, events going on and things, or it's just that much more of an effort to get out and spend time with people. So mm-hmm. a lot of people do experience the winter blues. Um, and so I think with that sort of 
uh, I don't want to say diagnosis, right? Because it's not really a diagnosis, but I guess a descriptor for how you're feeling. Self-care mm-hmm. is a really good option for treating that. If you are more in the seasonal affective disorder category, you definitely want to you know, work with a therapist, mm-hmm. um, maybe look into medication depending on your circumstances and that sort of thing. Um, but self-care can be really helpful if you are more of a person who experiences the winter blues, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just, and like you were saying, it is, so unique and so different from the summer, I think we have to be a lot more creative about the types of self-care and a lot more targeted too. So thinking about Mm -hmm. what do I actually need right now and Mm -hmm. how am I addressing that? I think given the limitations of the season, but also given some of the unique things about the Mm -hmm. season too, that make it special, right? It's not all all doom and gloom, right? Um, But there's a lot of theories about, you know, why these seasonal depression or the winter blues happen. And, you know, there's, yeah, I guess different theories, you know, some people um, see that there's not, or researchers theorize, like there's a a decrease in vitamin D levels. So that Mm -hmm. could play a role. Um, Also with, I think, low serotonin and melatonin production, there's some Mm -hmm. theories about that too. And it's more common in the Northern uh, parts of Mm -hmm. the world. So where it gets colder. And it's also more common in women than men, surprisingly, oh. too. So just some some interesting yeah. facts about that as well. Yeah. That's interesting to think it's more common in women than men. I mean, I guess I could see that, but that's interesting um, overall. And I think it's interesting. So we're recording this before the holiday season, but it's going to air after the holiday season. And I would guess that also, too, like once you hit the end of the holiday season, you hit January, you're, you're in February, the February blues everybody talks about, like, probably a little bit more of those winter blues come out even more so than maybe during the holiday season because you have many things to keep you busy. And now suddenly January 1 and then January 2 and you're like, okay, now what? <laughs> Just coldness and oh, like no. gray weather for the next <laughs> exactly. two or four months where I live. <laughs> yes. right? So, so true. And I think it does depend on the person, I think, because the holidays – can be a welcome distraction in a way, right? It's easy to throw yourself into it. There's a lot of meaning around mm-hmm. the Advent season and Christmas. Um, there's, yeah, so many like rich traditions and, you know, things that you can, um, traditions, but also what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, I don't know, like fun annual things you do together as a family. Sure. Like, like, yeah. you know, a good word for that. But, you know, so you can kind of get lost in those and those can be like a helpful distraction. And then yes, you're right. Once January hits, there's really nothing to look Mm -hmm. forward to. And then, you know, Lent comes, right. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's already gray and gloomy. And and now, now you want me to focus on this too. (laughs) Exactly. Ash Wednesday. But also I think for some people, the holidays can be really difficult because it does sort of emphasize feelings of loneliness that someone might have or isolation, or if they're missing a family member Um, whether it's, you know, the first holiday without them or, you know, 10 years later, it kind of never really goes away fully. Um, Mm -hmm. So that can bring its own kind of challenges as well. But I Mm -hmm. think for for most people, yes, the holidays can be just a really great time to throw yourself in. It's warm, it's cozy, there's parties, time with family, great excuses to get together. Like I said, the richness of, you know, our faith and all of that. And, um, but yeah, we need, we need something to kind of give us that extra boost come January for sure. And I think that's where, you know, some good 
authentic self-care can come in. I love it. Um, okay. Before we launch into ideas for self-care and kind of how we can do this, uh, quickly, how, if somebody's feeling blue down a little bit during the winter, what is it? Easy is probably not the way to say this, but how can we tell the difference between like clinical, I should go see a therapist. I need help. I, I may be having depression versus I'm just having the winter blues right now. And I need to find, you know, just good self-care routines to help me, to lift me out of this? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say probably the easiest thing or like guiding principle, I guess you could call it, would be if you feel like you can't handle it on your own. Hmm. Um, So if it's affecting your ability, like I said earlier, to function on a daily basis, so it's affecting family life, it's affecting your ability to care for yourself. You're isolating yourself from friends or family. Work is suffering or school is suffering. Or if you feel like, I don't know how to do this on my own, those are always usually good signs that you're needing some extra support in that. Um, and I think it is, <clears throat> excuse me, I think you don't have to, and maybe this is a larger discussion for another time, but I'm just going to throw it in there anyway. You never mm-hmm. have to justify your reason for going into therapy, mm-hmm. right? So you don't have to, you don't have to say, oh, well, I'm sort of meeting the criteria for mm-hmm. seasonal depression. And so that means it's okay for me to go in. You could absolutely just hate the winter or be feeling kind of low or struggling for ideas and you can come into therapy and still benefit from it. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, a lot of people do wonder that, like, how do I know when to go? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think kind of the flip side is that some people will say like, oh, it was the last resort. Or I tried mm-hmm. everything else. And it feels sort of shameful to mm-hmm. make that, you know, make that admission like, oh, I couldn't do it on my own. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, just to kind of, I want to throw that in there and say, there's no shame in going to therapy. And it's, you know, if you see specialists for every other thing in your life, why not see someone, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to, Maybe you might try. I wouldn't try to like do my own plumbing in my house, right? It wouldn't go over well. So you call on a specialist. Same thing when it comes to your mental and emotional health. That's true. We um we did an earlier episode uh, last season in season two with a marriage therapist. And I was like, how do you know if your marriage needs therapy? And he goes, if you're asking the question, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. In the sense of like, if you're like, like, oh no, maybe this happens. He's like, you might as well just go see someone. And get a little tune-up if you need to or whatever. No need to be like, oh, it's the last resort. I've tried everything exactly. else and now I'm giving in <laughs> and finally getting help. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's like if you if you see a deficit and you want to build up in that area, you go see the person who can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. All right. So let's talk winter self-care. Tips, <laughs> tricks. Give us, give us the whole tea. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I usually break self-care into four to five different categories, but four is easiest to keep track of. So I break it down into physical self-care and then mental slash emotional. So sometimes I break those into two, but we can keep them together for today. Um, relational self-care and then spiritual self-care. And so the idea with that is they are four distinct categories, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you are addressing one of those areas, there's going to be like a spillover effect into the others in a positive way, right? If you start addressing some physical self-care things, it will help you feel better mentally and emotionally, and then probably will reflect positively in your relationships, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think there's lots of things that you can do 
in the winter, right? Um, we could probably spend a whole, we could, you know, <laughs> a whole, whole season or something like that. But I think the biggest thing I think that's helpful is to capitalize on what the season brings. Like I mentioned earlier, thinking about, you know, not just the deficits of the season, but thinking about, you know, what are some of the positives there too. So like, for example, I think with physical self-care, obviously sleep is really important. Nutrition is really important, right? And then um, I mentioned earlier, there's that theory about vitamin D Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, low mood or feelings of tiredness in the winter. So I think with all of those, like there's just those three examples, right? So making sure you are on a good sleep schedule and that, you know, maybe you want to adjust and do, you know, you wake up a little bit earlier when it's lighter out and you're going to bed a little bit earlier than you normally would, or maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, this is maybe like for any time, but sort of holding yourself to a strict bedtime, right? Mm -hmm. So you can get better quality sleep, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just because the other day I was working and I was, you know, deep in my emails and stuff and it was dark and I looked up and I thought, oh my gosh, what time is it? Is it like 10 at night? And it was only like 6.30. So, you know, it gets a little confusing. Um, So, you know, having a good bedtime routine, I think is really important and going to bed at the same time. Um, And again, I use that example a lot to challenge the notion that self-care is self-indulgent because Mm -hmm. it's a discipline to go to bed Mm -hmm. on time, right? And so, but you're doing something really good because you're, you know, your body is resting, you're consolidating memories, your brain is cleaning itself, like all of these great things are happening when you're sleeping. So it's super important. Um, And then I think getting up, maybe this is more winter specific, but getting up at the same time every day as much as possible. So not hitting the snooze, right? Because you're going to feel more tired and you're going to want to stay in bed, but that's Mm -hmm. not actually going to give you the rest that you need, right? (laughs) Um, And so that kind of brings us to the vitamin D level. So a lot of researchers say that it's important to, even if you're not, because the sun is so low, you might not get actual vitamin D, but getting your eyes on the sun, right? So getting out in the morning, even just standing outside for a little bit to get the light. And Mm -hmm. researchers say that helps to set your circadian rhythm and, and, you know, get yourself on track so that you're not feeling all out of sorts and everything like that. Um, And so you can, you can also talk to your doctor about vitamin D levels, right? You can get tested for that. They can give you supplements if they think that you're low. But I think the big idea there with physical self-care is helping your body be on a schedule and not letting some of that tiredness or the darkness translate into like lethargy, right? If if that's the right way to say that word. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see that even too, because it's so cold and you like, turn on Netflix, you're like cuddled up on the couch, the fireplace is on, or, you know, you got that weighted blanket and suddenly you're like six hours later on Netflix. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's easy. And I, yeah, so I think it does require some discipline and it's not necessarily fun to like take the covers off and have it be icy cold, right, as you get out of bed. But I think thinking about, you know, what what can I do to set myself up for success so that I'm really going into my day not feeling like tired and drained and dragged down, right? So, and that's also exercise, I think, is obviously it's important any time of year, but I think with the winter, you can, you can go one of two ways. It's really choose your own adventure here, right? You can say, okay, it's so cold out. I'm going to start doing more like indoor workouts, right? So I'm going to, you know, on YouTube, there's lots of free workouts. So doing something like mm-hmm. that. Or you can be one of those people who wants to embrace 
what the season has to offer, right? So skiing, you know, walking, um, people, some people still run, even though it's cold out, they just get all bundled up. Um, people go ice skating, right? You can go hiking in the woods, like all these things that you could kind of still embrace the uniqueness of the season and you just dress appropriately, right? Mm-hmm. So that you don't freeze. So you can, right. like I said, you can kind of choose what's more you. But those are all the things, like those are just a couple examples for physical self-care, right? And there's tons more that you could be doing. But just, I mean, even in those examples, you can see how making those small changes, like waking up at the same time, getting yourself out of bed can create this consistent mm-hmm. uh, pattern over time that then is going to help you just feel better, right? Yeah. I like these too because I feel like they're very like they're good and practical, but they're also very personal, right? Like yeah. if I like running outside, I can do that. This is not you saying like good winter self-care is hot yoga in the, you know, or whatever. Right. It's not a Pilates video. It's whatever is going to help you exercise in this season. And, and, yes. that kind of thing. and so really personalizing that. A hundred percent. And I think that goes for self-care just in general, that it's not one size fits all. And it really is thinking about you know, where am I in my life and what can I do? Because again, I'm, I guess I'm always talking about sleep, but you know, I think a good example is someone with young kids, you're not going to be getting seven to eight hours of uninterrupted sleep. That's just not going to happen. And so, you know, expecting that to be part of your self-care routine is just going to be, it's not setting yourself up for success, right? So you would choose a different goal, which maybe is more like a consistent bedtime or a consistent wake time, for example, rather Mm -hmm. than like, I'm getting, you know, this much (laughs) sleep. Sure. That makes sense. Total. Um, All right. So let's move on to another category. What's, what's another category that for self-care? Yeah, I think, I mean, mental and emotional is a really good one. And I think, that is more about watching how you're thinking. I mean, I know that sounds like it's stating the obvious, but we if we tend more towards negative thoughts or you're feeling more hopeless or down, it's more likely that you'll have those those types of negative thinking patterns. So recognizing when you're using them and challenging them or replacing them with more of a realistic thought, mm-hmm. rather you know, not something that's uh, like fake positive, but something that is, you know, like it's fine. If it's not fine, it's not fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? um, so I think, you know, but keeping an eye on how you're thinking and being really intentional about how you're speaking to yourself or what you're thinking about so that you're using more, I would say, like encouraging and compassionate and realistic language and thoughts as opposed to, um, you know, kind of fanning the flames of some of that negative thinking. And again, it's not easy, right? It, it takes effort, but it is important to do because I think if you are stuck in kind of that negative thinking, it's almost like an anchor that just drags you down, right? And again, talking more about the winter blues where it's a little bit easier to kind of battle some of these things, but that mm-hmm. cycle just gets reinforced and then you're not getting out of bed because what's the point? And I don't need to, right? As opposed to, okay, this is a difficult choice, but I'm going to choose to like put my two feet on the floor and get out of bed so I can have a good start to my day. Uh, So how we think and how we talk to ourselves really matters. And I think that's a big part of that mental and emotional self-care. How do you catch those thoughts? Because I think people are like, I'm not that negative. And then, and then sometimes they'll say something and you're like, actually, <laughs> um, right. Like, I feel like sometimes we're not very aware of the negative thoughts. Maybe we are having ourselves. So how yeah. do we catch it? 
perspective. Ooh, yeah. Um, gosh, there's so much to say about that. But I think kind of in a nutshell, the easiest way is to watch the type of language you're using, right? So a common one is if you use the word should a lot, right? Like mm-hmm. I should be feeling happier about this, or I should have more energy, or I shouldn't be mad, upset, jealous, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually kind of sending yourself, you're sort of shaming yourself, right? Or mm-hmm. guilting yourself in that language that mm-hmm. you're not feeling a certain way. And you are, you have this expectation for yourself. And so there's this like disconnect there. So then that kind of feeds into that message of like, there's something wrong with me or, you know, things don't go my way. But there's like, if you Google it and you Google negative thinking patterns or you Google cognitive distortions, there's literally like a list. Like the other day in one of my sessions, my client and I sat down, we like went through all of the examples of negative thinking and just, Mm -hmm. and we all have them, right? It's not like anybody's immune to it. It's just more learning what we tend to go to, right? Like, does my brain jump to worst case scenario, right? Mm. Like it's dark out. So it's all terrible and awful and it's never going to get better. Right. Mm -hmm. Or all or nothing thinking, right? Like my day started off on a bad note. And so it's nowhere to go from here, right? Like it's just going to be awful. So knowing kind of what your tendency is catching it and knowing how to reframe is really, really important. So yeah, if someone's looking for ideas, um, you know, there's lots of like self-help books out there and stuff, but if you're curious, there's tons of different kinds. Nice. Okay. I like that. Um, I'm curious too, before we move on to another category in terms of People who are like falsely happy, like it's all fine, it's all fine, which is not true. But also, like, what's the balance between that and someone who's like, okay, trying to have happier thoughts, trying to not have so many negative thought patterns? Like, how do we kind of balance that or acknowledge that? Yeah, I think with both of them, and maybe in different ways, but with both of them, it's asking yourself, okay, what is objectively going on in my world? And am I considering all of the options, right? Because someone who is maybe, tending to focus more on the negative, they're going to lose sight of, you know, I don't know, maybe it's like, oh, my friend didn't text me today. So she's obviously mad at me, right? And instead of considering like, literally, probably like tens of other options that it could be, you know, right? Um, or, right. And then if someone is maybe like fake positive, I think that more is, Yes, you have to go back to, okay, what's objective here? And it's okay if something doesn't go our way or it's okay if something negative happens. That's not going to like rock our world in the sense that, you know, we can't choose how to respond to it, right? So it can also feel like sort of protective, like everything's going to be fine. It's all going to be okay. But then, you know, sometimes we don't prepare for things or, you know, we're sort of surprised when something happens. So, but I think with both of them, going back to, what's objective here, right? Mm -hmm. And one strategy that I really like is thinking about if you were in a court of law and you had to prove that your thought was true, right? And feelings don't pass in the court of law, right? So you can't say, you know, but judge, it just felt like she was mad at me, right? The judge would say, okay, what is your, what are your cold, hard facts that you're going to present to me? Because that's what we can, you know, admit in court. So I always think about like, I don't know, a really tall desk that's super high up, right? And then, you know, the judge is sort of peering over at you and you're really tiny looking up, right? And you're having to present your evidence. Um, But really thinking about, you know, if I had to prove this, 
what can mm-hmm. I point to that's objective? Feelings are really important and they're really strong pieces of information about how we experience things, but sometimes we let them hop in the driver's seat instead of, you know, really creating that balance between, okay, what's objective? What are the facts? And then how am I feeling? What's my subjective experience and how do we blend the two? Sure. That makes total sense. Love it. Um, All right. So what about spiritual self-care? How do we do that during the winter? Well, I think spiritual self-care is pretty straightforward, or I would say there's lots of options just because you can really kind of, you know, Advent and the Easter season really provides like a context for you to focus your spiritual life on. And so I think just kind of choosing how you want to like live out those seasons, I think is a great form of self-care, right? If you're someone who likes to do Advent reflections or if there's some sort of, you know, prayer with your family that you want to follow every night as you light the Advent candle, right? Or the Christmas traditions that you have as a family singing Christmas carols, sure, whatever, right? Like it really helps kind of create this sort of, you just get to fill in the blank, but you've got this, this meaning behind it. And I think you can even carry that into January, right? In the sense of how can you carry on what Christmas means to us as Christians in ordinary time, right? You know, Mm -hmm. once what the presentation is, I think in February, right? Like Mm -hmm. once that passes, how am I, how am I living out my life, you know, with, with like the Christmas spirit, as cheesy as that sounds like, how am I living that out in in an everyday way? So Mm -hmm. I think with spiritual self-care though, really um, putting the time in, you know, that's really important too, that it isn't just feelings, but that you're really cultivating that relationship. And if you have kids, then you're trying to pass that along and model that for your kids as well. And mm-hmm. that's really important. But I think that is one of, like I was mentioning er- earlier, taking advantage of what the season has to offer. Mm-hmm. And really with sure. your spiritual life, you've got these very unique periods in the liturgical year that are just so mm-hmm. rich And there's so much to draw from. So I think it's almost like an embarrassment of riches here. And you really just have to choose what resonates with you. And then back to what you were saying earlier, Katie, about like personalizing it, right? So finding something that fits with where you are in your life and what you can and can't do, right? So expecting yourself to sit down and like, I don't know, go through some lengthy meditation. If you, again, have young kids or your job doesn't allow it, then, Mm -hmm. you know, don't don't pressure yourself to do that, but choose something that's arguably just as meaningful, but you know, Mm -hmm. fits better into your lifestyle. Sure. That makes sense. I'm curious from your perspective, like, I feel like when you think of physical self-care or even like mental, emotional self-care, like it's pretty obvious when you're not taking care of yourself. Like it's Mm -hmm. pretty obvious if you're only getting four hours of sleep because you binge watch Netflix all the time and you're never working out and you're eating a bunch of junk food. Or if you're just having these constant negative emotions, but the spiritual side, I feel like it might be a little harder to know, like, do I need a little self-care here? Like, do I need to like pay a little more attention to this area of my life? So walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a good question too, because we can't even really use like spiritual dryness as an indication that, you know, like it's, yes, spiritual, our spiritual lives are so kind of like mysterious. It's sort of like, just where are you and what God is, you know, asking you. But I think a good indicator is thinking of your spiritual life, like another relationship, Mm. the most important one and thinking about, okay, am I putting the time in? Am I giving quality time? So not necessarily quantity, but quality time to my relationship with God and Mm -hmm. that 
is your spiritual life, right? So if it is, you know, think, I don't know, I guess if you like try to keep in touch with friends and you don't talk to them in like a couple months, you feel that distance. You feel like, I wonder what so-and-so is up to, or I'm feeling a little guilty because I haven't reached out to them and I care how they're doing and, you know, all those sorts of questions in your mind. And I think for the spiritual life, it can be the same thing. Am I sort of like, you know, kind of putting in like, I guess now I'm sort of jumping analogies or whatever, but I think in relationship counseling, they talk about, you know, you have to put uh, basically like deposits in your bank account of positive interactions, right? So that when there's a negative one and there's a withdrawal from your account, you still have a balance. And the idea is that you're having more positive interactions than negative ones. So you've got a good like mm-hmm. I said, balance going. So I think in our spiritual life, it's the same. Am I putting those deposits in? Not like, am I having these incredibly meaningful, prayerful moments, right? Because that's not totally up to us. It's more if God gives that to us in that prayer time, but more like, am I showing up? Am I honoring that this relationship is important to me? Am I trying to be present? Am I trying to learn? Am I trying to grow? And mm-hmm. I think just like any other relationship, am I putting in that that time, that quality time, and that effort? Mm-hmm. That's great. I feel like that's an easy transition into the relational side of <laughs> self care, <laughs> um, right? Like the same idea. Am I putting in those deposits and that kind of thing? Yeah. Anything else you want to share about that and self care? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just those feelings of isolation that can happen organically. Like I said, because it's just you're not as out and about as much in the winter. And um, so there can be that. And that can almost like reinforce any emotional feelings of isolation that we have that stem from the winter blues or seasonal depression, right? Um, And so I think it's a big part of that is being intentional about making sure you are spending time with with friends and in the right way, I would add mm-hmm. too, right? So if you're an extrovert, you're going to need to see people a lot more and you're probably you're going to have to prioritize that a lot more than someone who's introverted, right? But an introvert has to be careful that they don't go too long without scheduling that time with friends, right? Because then it's like, oh my gosh, I have become a little hermit hybrid and I haven't seen anyone. Um, but, you know, in thinking about like, what is um, like that idea of personalizing, but then I also think like what's going to be the most effective, right? Like, is it that I need to make sure I'm seeing people once a week or every other week or a monthly basis, you know, and making sure that I'm putting that on my calendar mm-hmm. so that it's there. And I, I'm not getting, like you said, to that point where I'm just with, I've withdrawn everything and I have a mm-hmm. negative account balance. Yep. I'm going to get hit with fees because I've overdrawn my account, right? Uh That makes sense. Um, I'm curious for somebody who is listening to this now and is like, okay, all four of these areas I'm kind of struggle busing in right now, right? Like this is difficult. Um, Where do I begin? Like, is there a specific category that's better Mm -hmm. in general? Or I I would guess it's also kind of personal, but like, how do I, like, I can't do it all at once. Like I can't like make all the appointments and get my sleep and pray. And (laughs) so where do I start? Yes. I think that's a really great question because you don't need to do it all at once. And that's not the point, right? And it's also not the point to be perfect and have this amazing self-care routine that suddenly almost becomes like a trap because it's so rigid and you have to make sure you're meeting them or somehow you failed, right? We don't want 
We don't want any of that because it's the opposite of taking care of yourself and your well-being, right? So I think I think the easiest and honestly, I think the best way to go is just pick pick one thing, right? And pick one thing that seems doable that you know with a little bit of effort you could achieve, right? So if you think about like your comfort zone and challenging yourself, right? If if one was, this is so easy, I could do it in my sleep, I don't have to think about it. And five is like, oh my gosh, this takes a lot of effort, right? You're going to want to choose like something that's a two or a three, right? So if you've never worked out before, for example, then you don't want to say, okay, I'm going to work out five to six days a week doing this like 45 minute intense workout, right? You might yeah. say, okay, three days a week, I'm going to go outside for a 10 minute walk and like, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to let those thoughts come and say, well, I don't know, you should be walking longer or, you know, I can't believe you have to start quote unquote this small or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. But thinking more, what's going to make the biggest difference and require the smallest amount, I would say of effort and like equipment and cost and anything mm-hmm. like that, right? And just think like, what's the one thing? It doesn't have to be glamorous. It doesn't have to be showy, you know, but what's one thing I can commit to doing consistently and let me set the bar kind of low for myself so that I can then keep increasing the bar as I'm establishing this, right? And as it becomes more of a habit. And then ideally you start to see some of the payoff, right? You start to notice, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe I still hate getting out of bed in the morning, but I'm seeing how doing that and committing to it, I'm feeling better throughout the day, right? Or if I'm squeezing in a morning walk, so I'm getting the sun and yeah, it's freezing cold and I spend the whole time, you know, before I walk out the door trying to convince myself I don't need to go, but I did it, right? And I'm noticing how that's really setting the tone for my day or I'm just in a better space mentally to handle whatever life comes. So I think, you know, letting go of that idea that it has to be perfect or it has to be this dramatic life change and more, okay, what do I think I need the most and how can I take one step closer to addressing that? I love that. I feel like this is also perfectly timed at the new year because yes. it's true. People make all these resolutions of all the million things they're going to do. And then there's like a national like breaker resolution day. I forget what day it is, like January 17th or something like that, where like almost everyone's broke, like is no longer living their resolution. Wow, so I did not know that. <laughs> Start small, build up, no need to go all out from the very get-go. Yes, and I would say like, I guess I'm reiterating this, but pick something that actually matters to you, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people say like, lose weight and exercise more. But I think, you know, uh, I think they're really trying to get to something deeper, right? Mm -hmm. Which is feeling better about themselves or having more energy again. And I think there's probably more targeted ways to approach that. So yeah, choose one of these and, and you'll outlast everybody on January 17th. I think, I think, I think it's something right around there. That's anyway, so funny. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, that's funny. Um, okay, Julia, before I let you go, tell us a little bit about the self-care workbook you have for the winter so that if anyone is experiencing this, they can also get a little, little physical help. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So my, I have my book, which you and I have talked about before, mm-hmm. right? That it's okay to start with you. And that's kind of like, I would say like everything you need to know about self-care in general and like, how do you get started? But then I found that like you and I were talking about the mm-hmm. winter is just this whole other ball game. And it just, I don't know, it needs a little extra like oomph in it. And so mm-hmm. I came up with this workbook and 
a couple years ago and I walk through, you know, how do you tell the difference between seasonal depression and the winter blues? And then we walk through self-care, but it's different than my book because it is specifically targeted to winter. So I basically just like bullet points and bullet points of like all these different physical self-care strategies that you can use, um, mental and emotional, right? And then um, I include some reflection questions in there. So how do you take that section and really apply it to your to your life in a way that matters? Um, and then I have some special sections on dealing with grief in the ho- during the holiday season, mm-hmm. um, like holiday stress and how to navigate that. And then mm-hmm. I have a two-page little um, – well, it's not little. There's a lot in it. But a little <laughs> self-care planner. So to kind of help you map out, you know, how you would want to maybe – start some of these things, but also keep track of them too. So okay. yeah, like I mentioned, I, I made it a couple of years ago, I think like two or three years ago now. And then a couple months ago, I was thinking about this coming winter. And I was like, I know people really enjoy the workbook. But I think I could make it even better. And so mm. I took it down off the shop and I, I basically like doubled it in size. So it's nice. twice as many pages lots more resources and ideas and things like that in there. Um, and so I'm really excited about it, but yes, if you're thinking I need help, I need some ideas for winter. I want to see if I can just improve my quality of life during this time, especially the January through like March, honestly, April, depending on where you live. Um, I mean, you're in Chicago. It's, this was a couple years ago, but it definitely snowed in May and it scarred me. Like I just, I you know, you don't feel like you're safe until June comes. You're like, okay, I think it's not going to snow anymore, but who knows? So anyway, the, yeah, the workbook is really designed to be a supportive resource and just give you so many ideas and help you figure out what will be the most helpful for just, like I said, adding to your quality of life during the winter season. Great. I love it. We will link to it in the show notes so people can purchase that or look into it if they want. And we'll also link to you and how they can find you in the show notes as well. So any last tips you want to leave us with for winter self-care? I mean, I think, I really think just going in with an attitude of I can make the most of this season is makes a big difference because it helps you to widen your view and seeing possibilities that maybe you wouldn't see elsewhere, you know, to think, okay, it's still really cold out, but I don't know, you have a bird feeder in your backyard and it's fun to see the birds come, right? Mm -hmm. Or seeing the Christmas lights. I always love driving around, seeing the Christmas Mm -hmm. lights and everything. And yeah, it's freezing, right? And you might think there's many reasons to not do that. You're too busy or whatever, but just really embracing uh, what it Mm -hmm. has to offer. So going in with that perspective of like, I can, I can help myself here have like a, a decent to great winter season. Love it. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Julia, for joining us for this episode. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Shrine podcast. If you enjoyed it, we'd love for you to visit us at ferrislovshrine.org and share the podcast with others.